Well, good afternoon. My name is Dr. Cindy Siwe Fansale. Um, doc, at Doc Cindy on, um, Twitter, D-O-C-S-I-N-D-I. And I'm here to speak about SIDS, which is Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. And I have a very special guest in the studio, Lily Stewart and her daughter, Kutsi. And they've managed to turn what was a tragedy for the family into something really positive. So without much ado, let's go straight to Clearly. Clearly, tell us your story. Thank you, Cindy. Or thank you, Dr. Cindy. <laughs> this is, um, it's an emotional journey. Yes, it is. This whole, yeah, this whole losing a baby situation. Yeah. Um, it's uh it's unnatural. That's number one. It's unnatural because we always believe that we should bury our our babies, our children should bury us with, instead of the other way around. So yeah, I don't even know where to start. I'll, I'll let me maybe explain what SIDS is. Uh, it's mainly known as cord death. That's how it's normally referred to. Yeah, where your baby just your baby goes to sleep and and don't wake wakes up. up. Yes. So that's basically how it is. It's it's sudden. It's uh, not expected, and yeah, your baby's gone, and you're left with normally mothers that who are breastfeeding will be left with all that milk. Yeah, and there's all sorts of situations that come with it, but nothing is as big as the emotional element that that, that comes that with, comes with, with that. it. Yeah, and 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 that's why I think that's where the name came from. SIDS, the sad, you know sudden infant death syndrome, is self-explanatory, and of course. We also called it cot death because, as you've said, most babies were put to sleep and the next time that the, the caregiver went to check on the baby, the baby had passed away. And I remember that when I was in university, um, you know, there were all these tips on how to, you know, your baby mustn't sleep on its tummy, your baby mustn't sleep on its back, you have special pillows. And to be very honest, to this day, we don't really know what causes cot death. We don't actually know. There's nothing we can pinpoint and say, if your baby sleeps on its back only or if your baby sleeps on its tummy only, this is what will happen. But f- what I want to know from you is um, how, your family, your husband, your children, how was that? How, what happened after you found Asante had passed away? Okay, the craziest thing about my situation, my situation was that uh, my family was there, and but the... With that kind of thing happening, you, I, I, I basically withdrew, and I was not really there for my family. Mm. My pain, I interli- internalized my pain, and at that point, nothing else mattered at all. My family was there; I knew my children were there. But at that time, all I wanted to do was die. Really, mm. I willed God to take my life. I willed to. I hoped that I would go to sleep and not wake up. Mm. But each time I would wake up, uh, what helped me though is. Crazy as it may sound, how I went through that time, that that week, because it's that first week is always the craziest when yeah. you're looking, uh, your family, your friends over, and you're looking at uh, a burial, for instance. Yeah. You know, I I went to my doctor. My doctor gave me Valium. Okay. And that that is what helped me because it helped you to sleep. Yes. Not only to sleep, it helped me to sleep. Yes, but not only to sleep, but to be able to think uh, clearly. Mm. For because what happened with me, uh, my family did not really interfere. Everybody was around me, wanting to know what I wanted done, and I was very clear on what I wanted done. Yeah. At every given point, I was able to answer any question, and nothing was done that I did not want done. Yes, you know, 
us black people, we don't, no, maybe that's the wrong statement, but we don't really believe in, uh, we're not much for cremation. Yes. Or we were not. My baby was the first one that was cremated in my family. So no one fought you, no one, um, so you, as you're saying, you were very articulate about what you wanted and how you wanted Asante to be, to, you know, to be, um, buried, cremated, mm-hmm. and no one fought back with that. Culture, no, nothing was brought up in that regard. No. Okay, that's, that's fantastic. It, it works out if you actually know what it is that you want, but I think that, it, it was, I was all guided intuitively that this is what's the right thing for mm. my child. I couldn't, for instance, I didn't want to leave her, leave her at a cemetery or at a burial site. I couldn't, okay. couldn't bring myself to do something like that. And that's, and that's part of the nurturing process, really. That's part of the, you're a mom. This is your baby. You need to be there for your child. And, and I understand why you would have chosen to cremate, the, cremate Asante and have her ashes with you because you were still being a mother. Yes, yeah. that is true. I'm happy to, See her every day. It's it's going to be a year shortly. In March, it's going yes, to be a year. Um, yeah. But uh, I think I've I've come a very long way. Yeah. And also, honestly, it's been the meds as well. Mm. The meds and the my psychologist sessions that have gone that has done a great deal for me and my family. Initially, we all had the, all of the family had. Uh, Psychologist sessions. Yes. And everybody got counseling. Um, I'm still get, getting counseling to yeah. date. Um, my husband goes every, uh, comes with me every alternate uh, week. Yeah. And yeah, we've been doing this whole journey together. But what I notice again is that, uh, what is evident is that we all grieve differently. And that's what I wanted to bring up. And I'm very happy that you mentioned the issue of meds and psych and, and, and psychology and counseling because you know, and you, yes, you can say this. In black culture, there's certain things that you just mean to get on with it. I mean, we've all had aunts and grannies who've lost babies and, oh, Auntie Bandabani's baby died and life must just carry on. But actually life does not carry on. The mom's life stops at that moment. And I'm, so what, what, what made you seek help out? What made you think, you know what? We're going to go for therapy. We're going to go for family counseling because that is actually very crucial in a situation like this. What made you go for therapy? This okay after everybody had left, everybody has gone. Yeah. After the whole thing, you know, how then life has to go on. Yes. Now we're just left as a family. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't leave bed. My I couldn't. My windows were always shut. My curtains shut, and we actually have shutters in our house, so that my room was always in darkness. I would not get out of my room. I was always in pajamas, and my sisters would come to, to see me every day. They were checking on on me every day, and then this one day, my sister walks in and she starts shouting at me. You know. Shouting at me about I have to get out of bed Get out of your pyjamas Go sit outside And we have to Put this cot away You you lie here like A mother still waiting To get her baby back Or You know She just came in And took over And I think that is what I needed Because when she actually On that day I was actually thinking I'm going to go And sit on the road And have somebody bump me or a car come and you had no will to live. Yes, I didn't want to live. Yeah, and actually, the only thing that was keeping me from doing that was that I didn't want to cause now somebody else the trauma of having killed somebody and their family, the whole thing that I've been going through. I didn't want to cause that for anybody. So when my sister came in and took charge, she called uh, she called a doctor friend of ours, and she suggested that. I don't only just need a psychologist, I need a psychiatrist as mm-hmm. well. And together, everybody works together to book me into a 
institution. Oh, so you were admi- so you were admitted, and how long were you admitted for? I was in hospital for twenty one days. Okay, and did that help? It, it helped. Uh, I went to a, it. It really helped because now suddenly I was thrown around people that I was with people that had no idea what I'd been through. Mm-hmm. I was with people who, are, who had their own situ- situations and issues to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I found out that it's amazing how many people are depressed. Mm-hmm. Actually, and there's nothing wrong with being depressed. I think that's, I think that admission, because remember I was admitted once as well. What helped me when I got to hospital was that, oh my goodness, I'm not the only one with depression and there's nothing wrong with being depressed. There are people to help us. Did you get the same feeling? It, it was exactly the same feeling, not only from the psychologist and the psychiatrist, but also from fellow patients. Okay. That was the interactions that we had. And to date, I've made friends. I made friends in there that I have kept That's in awesome. my life. You know, So it was going through that intense um, emotional thing with other people who are going through their own thing. And it also helped me to put things in perspective that yeah. I'm not the only person that... Uh, that's had a big drama in or their life lives. tragedy. Yeah. So it was other people there with me as well. And yeah, the, the psych therapies, the, the, we had yeah, psychotherapy, there's OT and there's always things to, to shift your mind from what it is that you're actually going through. Yeah. And for me, it was mainly getting the, the psychiatrist to get the proper balance or dose sage of the meds that I was go- that I was yeah. on that actually now kept me Good. sane. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Lily. I mean, I really appreciate the frankness with which you're sharing because, I mean, the, the reason why I, I, I called you in for this show is because there's so many people that are going through what you're going through, whether it's the loss of a baby or the loss of a partner, the loss of a relationship, just any loss. There's a grieving process, and I don't think that enough of us deal with grief in a way that helps us to heal. We, we tend to just brush things under the carpet and hope it's going to go away. And society is not always helpful in helping us to heal. So I'm really grateful for your frankness and just the way you're, you're relating your story. It's so you know awesome. Why, um, we tend to push it under the carpet. It's we because do. life just goes on for everybody else, and they expect you to, uh, to be okay. Three months down the line, their lives have moved on. And they really expect you to be fine. And this is a lifetime thing for you. Oh, it's absolutely. like, uh, you have to get on. Like I was telling Lerato this morning, that it's like losing a limb. Mm. You know, it's gone forever and you, it may get to a point where it, it doesn't hurt, mm. but it's not it, there. It's, it's, it's not there. It is gone. I don't know if it, if that will happen for me where it would get to a point mm. where it doesn't hurt. But, I have good days and I have bad days. Absolutely. You know? And I saw in one of your tweets that last, this week was last week. Last week you had a bad day. There's a day when you on woke up and you were not okay. And you said, I'm missing Asante and I can't get out of bed. And you posted a picture of Asante and um, your son and your daughter. Yeah. And it's things like that. I'll, sometimes I'll have a good day and my husband is having a bad day. Mm. You know, Or I will say something without thinking that gets him... Just t- t- he gets off on a different tangent. Like on the day when I couldn't get out of bed, on the first of, of January, January, yes, yeah, I, j- I just couldn't. And he had been celebrating <laughs> with everybody else. So I called him because we were going to have this um, angel, angel memorial walk yes. the next day, where parents who have lost their children and their babies yeah. uh, get together, and it's a new initiative, and I loved it. But I was going to be going on that. And we have Asante as the first baby in this OLL foundation. Yeah. And we were supposed to do it together as a family. 
Okay. But after the celebrations and everything, and now I bring this up and I have the, the website open and I show him that he looks at the whole... And he's not feeling too good. <laughs> yeah. And he started crying. He bawled. And I was thinking, that, well, maybe that was insensitive of me. Mm-hmm. But it's also how we share. You know, sometimes I'm okay, sometimes he's not. And that was the start of the day. Now he's crying and I'm feeling bad. And yeah, you can imagine how the rest of the day unfolded. Yeah. But yeah. the next day I was able to go for the walk. He wasn't able to. But you did we, it. Yeah, I did it. I did it with my daughter, Kutsi. My husband was not, he had every intention of doing it, but then he, he couldn't. And that is just how it, it works. He also, even amongst ourselves, I will want to, I will be in a space and I will want to share something with him. But I think I don't want to put him in a bad space, you know. And the best thing to do in that kind of situation I've learned is, to feed off his positive energy. Mm-hmm. So I feed off him, he feeds off me, instead of both of us moping. Yeah. Those times happen, but yeah, I will just to feed off him. And I'm blessed that I have Your other family, children yeah. as well, because that was the biggest thing for me. When I wanted to die and I was at the institution, that is another thing that kept me going, that I have to leave for my other children. This is not just my one child. I have other children. I have responsibility to other people. And yeah. That's, That's amazing. Well, if you want to call us and, and chat to Clearly, um, the number is 0861 You can tweet us at cliffcentral.com or you can um, get hold of us via WeChat at cliffcentral. But moving on, I'm going to um, focus on um, Kutsi now. Kutsi, thank you for being here. <laughs> I love your hair, by the way. <laughs> I love your hair. So, yeah, Kutsi, I mean, how old are you this year? Well, I'm turning 20 in May. Okay, turning 20 in May. And so last year, you know, this was a very difficult time for you and your family. And just tell us what you went through. Tell us just what happened. It was, it was, um, it was very unreal. Um, I remember I was, cause I'm in first year university. So I was at school preparing for my exam. I'm doing form studies and, um, I was at school till really late that day. And, um, you know, I kept getting strange calls from family, like, where are you? Are you okay? And I didn't understand what was happening. So, um, but I decided, you know, I'm just going to let it go because I was really busy. I didn't really give it much thought. And when I got home, there were just a lot of people. And um, because you never really expect, you never expect it to be, because you, you can tell when there's something wrong and there's people and everyone is, like, really serious. But you never expect it to be anything about, like, the youngest person in the exactly. family. Exactly. And, and that's the thing about SIDS, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. It's, it's, it, you know, let it be the granny or let it be the, the eldest child, but not the baby, but, you know, the baby. And exactly. that is the thing with it. Exactly. I, I, I was, um, it was, it was really like a shock because, um, and then I obviously assumed that something had happened to like either my mom or my dad and everyone was like really beating around the bush. And I saw that my parents were fine and my sister was fine when I woke up that morning and I left for school. She was happy and, um, it was a great morning. So for things to unfold that way, it was very unexpected. And, um, I, I think I didn't react for a while because I couldn't really understand like how it could even be possible. And, um, but you know, it was, it was a really tough time. I know people, everyone goes through really, really tough times. And, um, but this is, I think one of the most difficult things that I've ever gone through and I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. It was really difficult. Um, because it also wasn't just, you know, someone, um, being taken away from you. It's like the closest person, one of the closest people in your life. And I had 
all these expectations, um, you know, being a big sister and, and I just was hoping to be like the best sister in the world. And I had all these things that I was looking forward to going through with my sister. And, um, that was all taken away from me and it was, it wasn't easy. It and was, in, in terms of the, of the medical care and, or just the medical explanation, Gutsi, did you find that, um, the doctors, the psychologists, the psychiatrists, did they explain things properly to you? Did that help you? Were you then able to speak to Wemusa, to your friends? You know, did that make a difference? I got a lot of support from my friends. Um, I did do a few psychology sessions. I did um, speak to somebody, but I'm also um, an introvert and I, I prefer to deal with things by myself. And um, so I never really like cried in front of people or I would, it never really was, you know, dramatic or anything like that. I kind of just um, dealt with it myself. And But, I mean, my family was was really great. And um, we kind of got through it together, we were like, as a unit, just trying to help each other. And um, I, did, I didn't really, you know, take much medication. Um, if I needed a sleeping pool every now and then, that was like oh, the most that I ever. Yeah. yeah, but um, I think also because I didn't want to um, be indulgent because I felt like my parents were going through more pain than I was because, yeah. you know, it's their child. So I didn't want to um, attract a lot of attention and um, take attention from where I felt it was needed most. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was mas- mostly trying to be with the family and yeah. support the family. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah, this, I mean, this is a very difficult topic, but I'm happy that we're talking about this because as I said, there's so many families that have gone through this. And I mean, I can testify as a medical doctor that many times when a family has lost a child, that marriage does not survive. You know, we always say just amongst ourselves, not always, but and not all of us, but I know that amongst my close friends, we'd, we'd say two years, we give that marriage two years. And sure enough, if you were to follow up, and find out what happens to couples after they've lost a child. They'll either survive that period and become stronger and make it f- and make everything out for good, or they won't survive it. And I'm just glad to have you in studio because after the song break, we're going to come back and see how you were able to turn this tragedy into good and what is what is and all the blessings that have happened after you started the Asante Stewart Foundation. And so we're back. Um, this is um, Dr. Cindy C.F. and Sale on the Health Hour at Doc Cindy on Twitter, D-O-C-S-I-N-D-I. And I have um, Glee Stewart in the studio. We're talking about SIDS, which is Sudden Infant Death, death Syndrome, and how Glee took um, the death of her, her baby girl, Asante, and turned it into something that's really um, amazing. Um, if you want to tweet us, you can tweet us at cliffcentral.com. You can reach us on Facebook, um, Cliff Central, or you can reach us at Cliff Central. So, yeah, Glee, back to you. And just, you know, I think we spoke about God during the song break. And tell me more about that. Okay. The funniest thing, or no, the most peculiar thing with, in my situation is, you know, when I left, uh, when I left, uh, my baby, I, I left to go to church. I wasn't back at work yet. So I just went for prayer. I decided, let me just go for prayer. Um, this was on a Tuesday. So I was gone exactly an hour. I got that call and 
yeah, that call that just turned my life. life upside down. And uh, the, so obviously the first people, besides my family, to come around were church people. And yeah, people that I went to church with, my pastor, his wife, and and it was um, at that point it was comfort that I needed, yes. but I couldn't reconcile the loss of my child and God and like why did this happen? Yeah, especially listen, the strange thing about my story is that I had gone to church. Okay? I understand, yeah. mm. you know, so I just could not reconcile the whole thing mm. that. God, how does this happen? Mm. You get all sorts of messages. Every one, every one of your church friends or whatever have their own message mm. and how they've rationalized it. But it's so easy to rationalize stuff that has nothing to do with you. Oh, absolutely. You know? So that was, so I, after the whole, even when I was in hospital, I would get a day pass on Sundays. My husband oh, to would go pick to, me to up go and church. take me to church and then take me back to the institution. And but after a while, I was just questioning everything because mm. uh, it was church people that uh, would come and now have would be surprised that I still have the same domestic helper. Like, how are you keeping her? You know, you know how people are. So they were to blame. So they were casting. They were basically coming up with theories, like conspiracy theories that it may have been this person, and this could be the reason why your baby died, and mm. so on. And you don't actually need that. I think at a time like that, that is the last thing you need. And and, and it doesn't change anything. Mm. Do you understand? It doesn't change anything. I it didn't. I had my I had my own considerations and things that I thought, okay, maybe Cindy could have done this differently, or or I could have done something differently. I yeah. shouldn't have left, or I should have taken a Santa with me, or something. And you those know? things, and you know, clearly, those things will play through your mind. Those things will play through your mind because you are human, you are a mom, and you're trying to understand why, what happened, what did I miss? And I, I think it's important for people to know that it's normal to go through, it's no, it's normal to question, it's okay to go through all of that, and that's where therapy comes in. And, um, what I, what I find difficult, I mean, I think with, after my mom passed away, what I found difficult is that people don't want you to question anything. They want you to accept that this is how life goes, you know, this is one of those things, and you just have to get on with it. And no, you're allowed to question, you're allowed to be angry. That's how I feel. That You're blame to be element is, is, is something else because mm. it does, it never ends. I don't know when it ends, but for me it hasn't ended. Yeah. Like every second week or every month I will find something else to blame myself about mm. regarding that situation. So it's always something adding on. Mm. Or, uh, yeah, like last week I thought, okay, uh, maybe if, because my sister's just had a baby as well. Yeah. Maybe if I had breastfed my baby. Because yeah. I decided not to and, and to formula feed, yes. you know. So it's small things, and my sister has made the same decision. Yeah. So I was thinking, maybe that's what went wrong. Yeah. Because if I had been breastfeeding, then I would not have left her, because I, I carry the food, so she, she has to go where with, I go. Exactly. So maybe if I had been breastfeeding, this would not have happened. You know, it's always something mm. adding and on. It's always like that, yeah. and I, and I think what what is so fortunate about you is that you speak out talking these things out makes all the difference and and uh, if i can say this i mean as a medical doctor and as a person that's got a psychology degree you need to speak these things out 
if, if you, whether you're journaling it or you're telling the tree in the garden or you're telling your dog, you need to say these things because if, if you articulate them, they're out and you can, you can start making sense of what it is that you're feeling inside. But bottling things inside, it just adds up and one day you're like, I've done, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with this life. I'm done with everything. So I'm really glad that you say all of these things out. It's, it's not all the time though. That's, it's, yeah. um, it's not everybody that can, that is able to do that. Yeah. And, and two, it's not every time that you really even want to talk about it, mm. you know? So it's, it's, it's also relational. I can talk to my children. I can talk to my husband, but also I don't want to be talking about it all the time. Yeah. The rest of my family, yes, but I cannot sit down and have a whole conversation about it or a whole discussion mm. because Really, people have moved on. Everybody has moved on. Life goes on. Exactly. So, also, also another big thing for me was uh, keeping my domestic helper. Yeah. It's uh, that's it was, interesting. Why? It it was because I felt that she was going. She was also depressed. She was also grieving. Oh. Do you understand? Yeah. So she loved the sentence. Yeah. So if, now taking her, telling her that there's no more work for you. You go back home and. She would have been thrown back to a family that did not understand what she was going through at the time. Yeah. And with us, we were able to go through the same thing together, together. really. And also to show her that really it's, it's happened. I don't blame you. We don't blame you. You know, you're still, and actually this made her part of the family. Mm. You know, she's become, she became one of us. And because we went through this difficult together. time together. Together. Yes. So and she went through her own thing. She was depressed, you know, and, and really, it had happened, you know, whether she was negligent in some way or not, it really had happened. Yeah. The, the saddest thing that I found about the whole thing was, you know, when a, a, a baby passes on like that, the state gets involved. Oh, yes. In that, they want to see, check if uh, the baby was not murdered yes. or... There has it, to be, there has to be a post-mortem. Yes. There has to be an, an inquiry. That's true. Yeah. So that is also... Was so that difficult? It was difficult because... Was it an intrusion? Did they do it in a gentle manner? Who arrived at, her, at the house first? What happened? It was all actually all done at the, at the hospital. Mm. I left the, the hospital actually because they tried, they tried to revive my baby and they were very sensitive mm-hmm. when... Then they gave us a whole room. I was able to sleep with my baby, just hold her and just uh, talk to her. Mm -hmm. And then my baby was taken away with all kinds of tubes that they could not take out of her because of the... The, Yeah, yeah, the the forensic pathology does get involved because they need to do a post-mortem and rule out... Everything. They need to rule out foul play. play. They need to rule out everything. And it's always difficult for the, for, for mothers, um, to understand. So I know what you're going through. Yeah, I know what it must have been like. And after everything had been done and um, I went to see my baby, just disfigured because it had to do a whole mm. lot of things. So, yeah. But I insisted on bathing my own baby. I, I bathed her myself. I changed her. I dressed her up myself. Mm-hmm. And I did everything myself with my mother. Okay. And uh, I also had a godmother. It was very supportive. So... And my husband, who, who didn't want to see a whole lot of things, but he wanted to be there for me. Mm. So he dragged himself, and he went through all of that. And he was there. And he was there because he just wanted, he didn't think that I'd be able to go through with it on my own. Mm. And clearly, so, I mean, as the months went on, because, I mean, I was, you know, I'd heard about what had happened, and I was, you know, also, you know, keeping, keeping an eye and checking up on you through your sisters. But, um... The Asante Stewart Foundation, the, where did, where, where was that birthed? 
Was it did you wake up one morning and realize that this is what I want to do? How were you able to turn your pain into what is really a phenomenal foundation? It was um, mainly, you know, psychology sessions mm-hmm. where you just sit and you talk your heart out, and you talk your heart out, and you. You know, this, your psychologist will not judge. It's all neutral ground. And, and I kept saying to her that, um, I don't want my baby to die mm-hmm. like that. She, she was here for four months and this must be a reason why she came. She didn't just come in here to just die on us, you know, and she encouraged that my psychologist, Colleen, she encouraged the fact that, uh, Encourage the fact that one, she didn't come here for nothing; that there was was a reason, and two, that if I take on something and make something of my time with Asante or Asante's life, make something of it uh, that will not die, I, I will be able to deal. I may be able to deal with this whole thing better, mm-hmm. and uh, because I've been involved in the. Psycho- and the disability sector for a while. I've been working yeah. with disability for five years now, and I'd seen all the loopholes in the system, in the yeah. system, and things that needed to be fixed. Like, for instance, uh, there's interventions that we put in would, would come in with uh, already grown or adult people with disabilities, yeah, and. It's difficult for them to be able to grasp some kinds of concepts and things around that. And mainly, for me, it was the educational element. Because if you, for instance, you try to turn people with disabilities into uh, an entrepreneur, for instance, and this person is already like 20 years old and they didn't get the fundamental. Exactly. Where do you begin? Exactly. One, they can't read, they, one can't write, and to run, to be able to run a business, you need to be able to have those basic things. Yeah. And that is where, and I'd been pointing this out, and I saw that nothing was really actually being done about it. Yeah. So, yeah, it just came up. It was something that had been in my heart for a while, and I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do with my life. This is how we're going to keep Asante alive. Asante will outlive all of us, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, this in, in this foundation. And that is how it was birthed. And so setting it up, was that difficult? I mean, how does one set up a foundation? I've never set up a foundation. It wasn't really. Paperwork, legal stuff, like, how, you know, what it do you do? It wasn't really. Your CIPC, Section 21 registration. Mm-hmm. Um, you get uh, the right people that you think will be have the same... Uh, that will understand the vision, number one, because that's the main thing. You're the vision holder. And so people that will be able to understand the vision and will be able to make uh, the right decisions, appropriate decisions. And for like your in, foundation. Yeah. Like in my, in my, in my situation, for instance, I, I just, I'm just a founder. Okay. I'm just a founder. I wanted to get my hands dirty. I'm the one that actually goes out there and, and works, you know, and, the major decision making on, on the management and and uh, the administration of the stuff, I leave to my executive committee. Okay, so you've got you've got a committee of people that do stuff. That's really fantastic because I think trying to do everything on your own or, or well, trying to be everything to everyone would have also been problematic. Yeah, that's true, and it would also 
uh, I don't want to blur the lines as well. You know, it is what it is. It's an organization. It's, yeah. I, I don't own it. You know, I have the vision. I know what needs to be done. Mm. And for me to be able to do what needs to be done, my hands need to be free of, of all the admin issues, of all the management issues. And so on. Yeah. Well, if you're wondering um, where you can look up the Asante Stewart Foundation, you can go to www.asantestewartfoundation, A-S-A-N-T-E-S-T-E-W-A-R-T, foundation.org, and on Twitter, at Asante Education. So, Kutsi, what has your involvement been in the Asante Stewart Foundation? Well, I'm basically like my mom's little PA. Um, <laughs> I go around with her because she does a lot of um, hands-on work. She goes to... No, your mom's always been a hands-on person. Yeah, She's got the energy. Energy like an energizer bunny. Definitely, and she um, kind of yeah. She goes to um, the homes, the children's homes, and um, we visit them regularly. And um, she um, makes sure that they have food, and we've donated a lot of um, educational facilities and things, um, and like toys and just educational like, stimulation things. And um, I have spent a lot of time with these kids. It's been very interesting getting to know a lot of them. It's um, been fun because also they're great kids and some of them are really smart. And um, I've just grown to love a lot of them. It's been um, a crazy experience for me. Also thinking about the fact that, um, I mean, I wouldn't, this is something that we never would have, you know, thought to do. Exactly. And so it, it's, this is, this, Asante's passing away has taken you out of your comfort zone and you've learned so much about another mm-hmm. world and, you know, other um, sectors of society and you, you're giving back in a way that you, I don't think when you were 19 or when you were 18, I don't think you thought that in your 19th year you'd be giving back never. in the way that you do, you know, walks and so mm-hmm. on, raising funds and all of that stuff. I never would have like foreseen any of the stuff that's happening now and, um, I mean, I'm really um, grateful to be making a difference, be, to have the opportunity to make a difference in um, these children's lives. And um, just watching the, the the foundation grow and watching, um, just seeing, witnessing all the things that, that are happening and all the, the things that um, the people that we're meeting, the people that um, we're affecting is also just, it's um, it's phenomenal. I'm really glad to have been a part of it or to be a part of it and the, i know you also have links with the ol foundation can you tell us a bit more about that um the ol foundation um i mean my mom explained a lot of things to me about the that foundation a few like the, a few days before we went for the the, the, the walk, angel walk yeah. um, um basically i know the ol foundation was 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 also the, they have a, a story similar to ours mm, they, lost, the, they lost they lost a, a baby. baby and um I mean, it's, it is a tragic story and, um, it was really, it was really heartwarming to see that there are people that go through this as well and, um, to see that, you know, it's not, it's not just, you know, you're not alone. There are a lot of people that are going through, um, these things and, um, it was, uh, what, what do they, okay, well, basically they, um, they are, what they, I know, what I, what, from what I know, what they're trying to do is also get, um, all parents that are going through, um, that have gone through this or that are going through it, um, they allow them to come and, um, basically they, they work as a home for these, for support these mothers. Group. A support so, yeah, group, a support yes. group, yes. So that you for mothers feel that have lost, lost their babies. Exactly. And, um, 
we we did the walk on the second of February and of January. Of January sorry, <laughs> on the second of January, and it was it was really lovely. Um, I enjoyed it, and um, also just just basically the experience and hearing other people. They've gone through the same mm. thing. It's really I, I walked that whole walk. How long was, was the walk? Four kilometer walk. Yeah, I walked it with Umpile's mother, mm. the the founder. Yeah, so all L stands for Umpile, Umpile, and his yeah the name and and yeah and the surname. I spent that. I walked that four kilometers with her, and it was actually amazing talking to somebody that had been through the same thing that was going through the same thing that I and had the same idea yeah. as you have and that let's let me take my pain and my tragedy and turn it into something that's going to last forever and help other people and just just uh, the basics like um, how she echoed my sentiments like I and I would echo hers like I'm not scared of death now mm. death is just can come Really, it's just one of those things. I'm no longer scared of it. And she's at the same point. She she echoed that. And I was like, oh, my word. You know? And also for me, it was also the the futility of life. Mm-hmm. It, it it hit me so hard after my daughter passed away that what, what are we here for? Mm-hmm. We get up, we sleep, we wake up, we sleep, and we die. We're born and then we die. Mm-hmm. We take a bath, we Buy nice clothes, and but what is it really about? It does all seem so futile, mm. and the that is what also bet the foundation. It's like okay, and you, you have to na- make some kind of meaning to this life, and you take is, nothing for granted. Yeah, absolutely nothing of for course. granted. And you, and there's people that just fall off the wayside of mm. your life. This, this relationship was really it's just that, and yeah, like for instance, you can't get me into a fight now. Mm. I was always ready to fight for <laughs> anything Close and about eyes. anything. Yeah. yeah. And now I, I cannot argue with you. It's like I will state my facts and, I'm, and my truth and I'm going to walk out. That's just what it's become. If you want to fight, you're going to fight on your own. Mm. It, it, all those kind of things are dead to me. Mm. You know? And the people that I keep in my life is people that I only have meaningful relationships in my life now. Yeah. Really learn the difference between what matters and what doesn't matter. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that also for me, that was the biggest thing. Um, things that m- made, things that, um, affected me so much before, um, I lost my sister didn't really affect me that much afterwards. Cause I just, I felt like, you know, I've been through so much worse than, you know, whatever is happening. Like to the me color now. of my hair or the exactly. color of my lipstick. And, and it really doesn't matter. There are worse things in life and there are things that really matter and things that, you know, that don't at all. And, and, and you invest your energy in the things in the that right matter. things, exactly yes. like the Santi Stewart Foundation. And in terms of, so in, I see on Twitter it's, it's a Santi Education. Are you do you raise funds for children? What, what kind of stuff are you doing? Are you raising money for wheelchairs? Are you accessing what? What do you do for families? What can what can people expect okay. if they come to to ask for help from the, the Santi Stewart Foundation? It's actually been an interesting journey, Cindy. It's been in an interesting journey, Cindy. It's been. Uh, it started off as my vision was just to give bursaries and to children yes. that w- with disabilities, and but the start off of the journey was something else. To find children with disabilities, I had to go into the townships. Okay, okay? and that was number one on my agenda was transformation. Um, people with children with disabilities and people with disabilities from advantaged previously advantaged. Uh, 
communities I'm saying, oh, the disadvantaged communities the advantaged ones oh, those, advantaged. Are ta- yeah, those are taken care of okay I promise you they, you'll find your homes and or a wheelchair friendly house and, and yeah okay. and, and there are centers that are kept in, in centers they're well taken care of their families go look go visit weekly and they need they have the money they have the means to look after their children and then with the black community it's totally different one found that the children get hidden. P- some people will not bring their children out. People, people are embarrassed by their disabled children. Mm-hmm. And so we have a lot of children that are locked up and never see the sun, you know. So that was one of the first things I discovered. So how did if, you find these children? I, like what, how did you find these hidden children? When I went to the center, when I, I, I went to, there's a lady that I worked with because I worked with disability. She would always talk to me about her child with a disability. And... So that was my first point of call. Let's talk to her. Where does your child go to school? Where? And she told me, child is in Kahiso at a Rekopane Inclusive Development Center. And that's the first place that I visited. Mm-hmm. And that's the first place that we adopted as a family, not as a foundation, okay. but as a family. And when we, when I got there and sitting with this lady, Ms. Nuki, the founder of, of the, of the education centers, it was eye opening. And, yeah, and she told me a whole lot of things. She referred me to a number. Or she mentioned a lot of things. And that got me now, my, opened my eyes and took me on a, a search, like literally, you know. And you talk to people on the streets about uh, disability. I got on a community radio in Kahiso. Mm-hmm. And people would come out and tell you about uh, their neighbor who has their child there. You, when you go talk to the neighbor, is it's one okay. It's black people and Boloi, and, and and also it, they don't know what to do with the child, and they don't have access to resources and information. Yeah. So in that way, we were able to get a lot of children out of the homes. The children that we found and children that were reported, we get them out of their homes and place them at the center. Okay. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. So we have people that had been keeping their kids in their houses, locked up. And, and 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 not these kids are not stimulated absolutely and, nothing. No, and one the, the worst thing about it is the girl children. I don't know about the boy children. The girl children get sexually abused as well. They become sex things. One, th- those are the most the easiest people to abuse because they can't talk. Depending on on, on the disabled yeah, yeah, yes, disability, the yeah, they can't talk. They cannot express themselves in any way. And I've changed the nappy, and I was like, oh my word. You know, because you'll have the profoundly disabled ones cannot even be toilet trained and things like that. And you're like, this is not right. You change an app and you know that there's something this not right. This child has been right sexually there. abused. Yes. And where do you take that to? You know, because even the, the, the lady, the, the founders of the center, the caregivers will have noticed these things. But they but don't what know can who they to do? talk to. You know, exactly. And they don't know how to handle this, the matters like this legally. Mm-hmm. So what we've been able to do is... I've got a doctor now who's committed to go see the children every fortnight, fortnightly. It's fantastic. So you've got a doctor on board mm-hmm. who's now visiting that center two, every two weeks mm-hmm. just to check on the kids and so on. Two centers. Yeah. The, the two centers, uh, the one in Primrose as well. We're working on, we're working on, uh, well, basically the other townships as well. We have Soweto, we have Alexandra, we have Tembisa. Yeah. And we have uh, Fosloras as well. It's mm-hmm. a great view that side. They, there's a, 
there's a great need for early education or early stimulation centers mm-hmm. similar to the ones that we're already working with. And the biggest thing that I found is the, the transformation, uh, the transformation meta is a big thing. We have, like, I've approached the National Council for Persons with Physical Disabilities in South Africa. They, they run casual day. They run, they run the nappy run. Okay. They raise a lot of funds yeah. in that way. But the, the funds that are raised don't, are not necessarily channeled in the right way, in my opinion, where they should actually be so you're, so channeled. You're, okay, so, so what you're saying is that we need to now make sure that funds are filtered to, to even the townships and places that need the money. Yes, that need it most. Okay. That need it most. So we are in, in conversations about that. Uh, I started this transformation conversation with them years ago, three years ago. Okay. That before uh, Asante was, before was Asante. conceived or yes. anything. Yes. Okay. So this is, this is now a loophole, uh, that you had noticed within the system. Yes. Okay. And that it's, the townships are not, uh, they don't have a presence in the township. Yeah. And that is what they need, you know, to be able to call themselves, uh, National Council for Physical they Disabilities. They need to be everywhere. They need to be everywhere. They need to be where the need is great, you know. And that is a uh, that's our agenda for South Africa: transformation in the townships, making sure that those children, the parents, understand, the community understands how to deal, handle those kind of situations. And also, for South Africa, is also the. Children without disabilities. Yeah. My, my, my belief is that when you start them young, get them at a young age, that is when you can make the most difference. The future generations will be inclusive, properly inclusive. Mm. Teach your children. We have a program where we go to the schools, teach the children without disabilities, teach them about disability, make them and sensitize them. Exactly. And, and they grow up, they will grow up in that way, they will grow up having embraced disability. And more and accepting of, of um, exactly. children with disabilities. So the diversity is not just about color and culture and it's also just making sure that it's, this is a person. This one Lex does not have or whatever's limbs. But they're still work. a person. Yes. And children are more receptive of things. So if we get them at that young age, then that will, will have made a big difference. And number two, with, uh, with, with our children, is is a uh, well the, the children is we have all sorts of storybooks for instance uh-huh. have you ever seen a storybook with a child with a disability no uh, the pictures so oh that's the word. kind of difference that we need to make we started we're talking about it with Kutsi write a book let's write those big the toddler well, books if you ever need someone to do illustrations I've got the perfect person for with cartoons just okay. you, know, you must get a hold of me thank you so that's the kind of thing that the world needs. It will start here, but the world That's needs amazing, it. That's amazing, and and just in terms of, um, like really, I'm shocked. I'm I'm totally taken aback by that. I've never ever thought about that. We don't have storybooks for children with disabilities, and in terms of hospital at the hospital level, when a child is born with profound disabilities, what's the like? I know that there's counselling done and so on, but aren't those parents then followed into care? Like, why would a, a, a mother or a caregiver take a child home and, and hide that child? Had, wasn't she counseled sufficiently? Doesn't she know? It's, it's, like, it's like, a follow-up. Okay. It's, it's, it's follow-up. So maybe there needs to be work because done at the hospital level as well and clinic level. Mm-hmm. And also have your social workers. Let's have our social workers visit those people. Let's have a database. You know, at the hospitals, we know that these are the mothers that got children with disabilities, that birth children with disabilities. Let's have a whole database and follow up. And 
not only on just support for the mothers, but also support for the children. You've, 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 there was this story that made headlines last year, yeah. late last year, about this South African woman with three children with disabilities that killed them in London. Oh, yes, I remember, remember that story. That? Yeah. It's, it's lack of support. And that is what she, that was her story as well. She didn't have sufficient support. So we have a lot of work to do. It's not easy having a child with a disability, believe me. It's like having 10 children at the same time, having 10 babies at one go. Could mm. just closing statements from you before I get back to your mom to give us, you know, the websites where we can get hold of you and so on. What, you know, anything you want to add on and say? Um, not really. We're on, we're on Facebook and Twitter and, um, we're, you know, what's your Twitter handle? Um, the Twitter handle is at, oh, my Twitter handle is at Kutsi. You can find me. It's just at K-O-K-O-O-T-S-Y. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's so you're on Twitter, Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, and I'm on YouTube as well. Oh, fantastic. I'll, yeah. I should watch your YouTube um, videos. And clearly, just yeah, before we end, I mean, just for me, thank you so much for being here. I think we've learned a lot. And thank you so much for sharing from your heart because I know that your podcast is going to help so many people, even if they, they, they never get the chances to tell anyone how they're feeling. Just hearing that someone else has been through it makes a small difference. It really does. So just give us the details of where we can get hold of you. If people want to make donations, who do they get hold of and so on. Donations are always welcome. <laughs> Please. Um, especially we have um, a program, adopt a child program. Okay. Specifically for families and individuals. Just take on the financial needs of a child, of one child with a disability. We have uh, the adopt a school program that's now geared for organizations. Okay. That and corporates. Will, okay. And corporates, yes. So where you will now take up a, a, a whole school and look after them. So that's a big thing. And, and also pay a caregiver salary because those are the biggest people. The, those are the most... The, we need to look after those people because they look after these children. Mm-hmm. But the ones that we have at this point, they're getting a stipend of 400 rand. And that's not a lot that of money. That is nothing. That is not a lot of money. Yeah, especially on the work that they know, do. They yeah. change nappies. They, they, they do all sorts of things. They feed the children. So for donations, we go, you can send them to admin at asantestewartfoundation.org. And also to, you can email me on daily at asantestewart.org. And we have our PR person that if you need anything, anything, you need any kind of information or you want to share something or you need us to get involved in anything, we have Lerato at asantestewartfoundation.org. Okay, so Kleli is C-E-L-I. You can follow on Twitter at Kleli Stewart, C-E-L-I-S-T-E-W-A-R-T, and you can get more details from there. But thank you so much, Kutsi and Kleli, and um, all the best with your foundation. Oh, you have one thing I just to say. have one more thing to say for like the young people that can't really afford to make donations and things. Um, hands-on work is a lot of fun. I know I wouldn't be able to make any kinds of like financial donations, but hands-on work is a lot of fun. I enjoy it, and I'm not a very active person. Um, so um, if you're interested in doing anything, just like get in touch on Facebook or um, at GaliadaSanteStewartFoundation.org, and um, just you know make yourself available, and we'll tag you along for. Um, Anything that we're that we're doing, it's it's a lot of fun. Like I promise, and the kids are loving. They'll make a huge difference in your life. It's it's a lot of fun. Thank you so much.